0: Welcome to episode 13 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave
1: and Jengas.
0: And we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your Geek? Hell yeah. Uh so it's been a while since we've had an actual episode. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Not a really return to form. Months. <laughs> well, more so. Because oh, our December you. was the Magic Holiday Special. That's true. It so it's really been like since November, and we recorded November in October. <laughs> guess you're right so it's been a while man yeah you're
1: you're absolutely right about that david
0: i mean hold on was that pimp one in there somewhere
1: yeah we did pimp
0: i think that was in the middle it just feels like it's been a while yeah okay well
1: uh november was our i thought november was our thing no december was it was a very magical holiday
0: right but we recorded that november but then maybe in december we recorded the it doesn't matter anyway let's just say this (laughs) we are happy to be returning to form. Um, so last time when we were talking about magic way back in, I think that was January's cast or so, I believe so. Uh, we talked about aether revolt and the very limited spoilers we had at the time. Yes. Uh, now aether revolt has since released and yes,
1: it shook the magic world. Uh,
0: what are your, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, it's a fun set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think vehicles really? really came into their own. Um, and I'm actually surprised at how prevalent they were in the standard decks, you know, heart of Cure was like a really prominent deck. And it I I really appreciate that mm-hmm. because that just means that they could try something new and it'll, you know, it will work and it'll like, it won't just fall flat. It won't get shunned by the community. The community will find a way. I guess that's good card design. You know, yeah. You, you have, you make something that will be used. Um. Overall, um, a very flavorful set. They made good use of the, the energy, um, counters that they created mm-hmm. for the set. Um,
0: went ham on dwarves.
1: Went very ham on dwarves. So ham in fact, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, I, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, we, we
0: got a mono legendary creature of each color.
1: That's right. We did uh, a little commander bait, you know, Um uh, this isn't something we actually were going to do, but you know, I I I talked to my cu- my cousin. Plays a lot of Legacy, right? Um, he plays a lot of everything, actually. But um, shout out to Timor. I don't know if he listens, but um, <laughs> but uh, he I, I asked him a question at a function we were at, and I was like, "Do you consider? Do you think Wizards considers the Commander community when they make a deck or make a system? Uh, you know, because Standard's big, um, but how much of the profit comes from the commander even just like commander only players you know mm-hmm. and like you know it's it's so hard to like pinpoint how popular commander is because there's no sanctioned commander tournaments in America
0: well that's not true Wizard anymore sanction. that's not true anymore friday night magics can be commander events now
1: but i mean there's no commander gp
0: right there's no you know there's no tracking, per se, of that feel record. I like the
1: commander community is like this invisible like, being but still influences the market in so many ways.
0: I th- I mean, I'm, before you tell me what he said, I want to tell you my personal opinion. My opinion is at a time, there was a time where I don't think that it mattered. I do believe maybe I'd say by the second commander set um, when they realized that, hey, like this is selling and that there are people who, and an audience for this type of product. I do think that they take the commander population into account. I really do. Um, I mean, not that's not their only concern. Clearly their primary oh. concern are the formats that sell the most money is specifically standard. And then obviously ex- um, I almost said extended modern. Uh, but I would say that commander has, there are definitely some things I look at, and I say, just like we, just like the terminology you used before, commander bait. Like I look at it, and I'm like, this is not a card that's going to see play in limited, in anything except, I mean, well, limited maybe because you pack a legendary creature, you and it's mono, you can run a mono color. Sure, it's,
1: it's a bomb, for
0: sure. right? But at the end of the day, like outside of limited, I look at some cards, and I'm just like, this was made with commander in. Yeah. In mind, even even the broken cards, like, I mean, granted, like, they could, I'm sure, be used in Legacy as well, and Vintage, but when we last talked, we talked about two of the most broken cards, these I think that we did, they were spoiled we, at the time, we did, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, we're, but, spoiled. well, I was going to say Paradox Engine and Planar Bridge. I don't
1: think we talked about
0: those. Oh, well... Let's get on to what I believe to be the two most broken cards. Well, Planar bridge really isn't that bad. Planar bridge is pretty, but that's a commander card. Like there's nobody's that's going to be playing it outside of commander. It's six monitor drop. It's an artifact card and you have to tap eight and tap it to search your library for a permanent card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Um, that's a perfect example. That's not a card. I even think you would see. I don't think you'd see it in limited. I don't think you'd see it in modern. It's too slow for modern, way too slow for standard. Um, I mean, that leaves Legacy and Vintage, which there are other Too ways. To, slow
1: for Legacy and Vintage. Right? I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as
0: well be playing Sneak and Show. And you do it with much less mana. And I mean, granted, you're not pulling anything from your deck. It's more of like what's in your hand at the time, but even still, super slow. So I feel like Planar Bridge is one of those cards that, like we just said, like that was made for the Commander community. It's even a Legendary artifact. So you can only have one in a deck anyway well you can have more than one but only one on the field and you know what i'm saying like there's not it's that's a card where i know they said this is for our commander community Mm -hmm. um how and paradox engine i mean that can be that can be broken (laughs) in legacy and vintage easily um as well as in commander but yeah the most broken card which i think and as do many of our friends is we all think it's probably going to get the ban hammer soon enough um but it hasn't yet, which is surprising, is a Paradox Engine. It's a five-drop artifact. Uh, whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanents you control. Um, there's so many infinite mana combos you can do with this card. I mean, it just takes a couple mana rocks, and you now have infinite mana. Um, because all you have to do, if it's whenever you cast a spell, untap uh, all non-land permanents you control. So all you need is something that will bounce a creature to your hand. Have that creature be like an ornithopter that costs zero, and have a bunch of r- mana rocks out, and forget it. You've you, you've done. You now have infinite mana. You just keep playing.
1: I think they 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 would take a more even-handed approach to it um, because you know guess you can remove it. Um, I feel like they should let the players kind of figure out a way to deal with it if it becomes so prevalent that like it do like it's a must. Well, it's not so much. There's a lot of like, I mean, are a lot of like must put ins and they're fine.
0: I just feel like with Paradox Engine, our buddy Rob ended up summoning it it up the best. And what he said was the reason he feels like it's going to get a ban is it's a card that when he looks at, he feels instinctually like he should have a copy in every single deck he owns. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign when you look at a card and you say like, this needs to be. In every deck. And it's not in a... It's not in a... Hey, this is like a friendly... F-. Like, Chromatic Lantern is a card that you look at and you say... If you're running multicolor, especially if it's three or more... You're looking at Chromatic Lantern you're saying... I kind of need to run... This is kind of a staple now. Yeah. That's a commander staple card. Not in a monocolored deck per se. But Paradox Engine like... And he's a combo player. And a legacy yeah. player. And like, I just... I, I agree. Like, that card is just too good. Just, it's just too good.
1: I just feel like... You, it might just become one of those things where like you see it drop on the board, you know you have to remove it. You know, it's like you can't let it go do things, exile it. The problem is,
0: the only problem is if they drop it and they retain priority, they could, if you have an infinite mana combo on field that you can go at instant speed with, like, even removing it's not going to matter. Or even if it gets removed while the spell removing it is in response, if you have, for instance, I mean, all it says is when you cast a spell so it could be instance it could be anything and if it's creature wise i mean all it takes is a flash outlet like Vidalcan ori or something like there's there's just so many ways in which removal just wouldn't be enough if it's on the field it's already too late
1: i feel like you just have to you have to play to the meta of your of your table you know
0: yeah i mean i agree i agree to it a, to, a, to a point
1: i mean i just don't feel like it's so game-breakingly devastating that it's you know it needs to be banned like it's no emrakul ons torn you know like that's really that's a difficult card to
0: get around yeah no i get that you know, well
1: this, this it's not like it says can't be countered it's not like it says it has like you know protections or right it's it can be destroyed any number of ways it can be countered you know just you see hey i'm gonna play paradox engine and you're like no you're not you know, like
0: <laughs> I guess that's true. Only time will tell. But what was uh, what was your cousin's? Oh, you know, ultimate like verdict. Said,
1: he's, same thing you said. You know, it's just like they're there. They wizards is aware of it. You know, maybe we don't have the metric for it, but they have the metric for it. I'm sure, right? And like they know, and I, it's it shows in the sets they make. You know. They wouldn't make a commander set every year if it wasn't a profitable thing. <laughs>
0: um, they wouldn't devote dev time to it. Oh yeah, no, it wouldn't happen. Um, I overall, I mean, the cards I thought were great. If you like energy counters, this is a set for you. If you don't like energy counters, uh, it's less of a set for you. I don't. I I bought a box as I usually do. Um, you know whether got or not that's. You want. I did. I got <laughs> I got the exact four mythics I wanted. I got a single copy each of. Um, the new Ajani, Ajani Unyielding, which was perfect for my Planeswalker deck. I got the new Tezzeret, which I didn't necessarily, I think I might've put it in my Artifact deck, but it wasn't like, I just wanted a copy, not for deck purposes, but just to have. And then I got the previously mentioned Planar Bridge and Paradox Engine. And then I also pulled a Hollow Mythic of the, I believe it's the Exquisite Archangel. Ooh. Um, Yeah, which is sort of like the closest the game has ever gotten to that horrible Warcraft card. Um, Because the exquisite... Oh, Reno. Yeah, Reno Jackson. Jackson. Because exquisite Archangel reads, it's seven mana, but if you would lose the game, instead you can exile it and your total life uh, becomes equal to your starting life. But there's so many ways to stop that. First off, it has to be on the field and you have to be ready to activate that. And second off one removal spell and forget it. Like it's yeah. like, you like, you know what I mean? That's not a, it's not a full Reno Jackson, which is just, it enters and dunk. You're good. At
1: least Reno's going out of medicine. Or good. going out of rotation. So.
0: But that's, that's for a different type of podcast. That's
1: right. We're not a, we ain't got
0: that. <laughs> we don't got that here. Um, Yet. Oh, <laughs> oh, please don't even. Um, but all in all, um, John, I <laughs> yeah, right. Um, All in all, I do feel that I enjoyed the set um, for what it was. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, outside, like, I don't feel compelled to buy more cards. And the only reason I I bought a... a I didn't buy a fat pack this time. I usually buy both a box and a fat pack. And I only got the box. And even then, I got it on principle rather than want. Mm -hmm. Like, I could have bought those four cards and been happy. Um, I... I buy boxes now because there have been too many times in my past where I look at a set the way that I looked at Aether Revolt and go, you know, there's not in this, a lot in the set for me. I'll buy one or two cards and that's it. But then down the line, I'll be making a deck that like I had never thought I would make or just couldn't have foreseen making. Yeah. And there'll be like all these cards that I'm looking through and I'm looking through like similar decks of the style and seeing what I can put in it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, someone will recommend a card and I'll just be like what set is that from? And they'll be like, Oh, the derp set. And I'll be like, great. I didn't buy any of the derp (laughs) set. And now like, this is now the cards like $400. And had I just bought the derp set in the first place, it wouldn't have been a big issue. Um, so I buy a box on principle now just to have at least the commons and uncommons. Mm -hmm. And then a good number of rares, because a lot of times that that happens, it is commons and uncommons that had a one set printing. Like, um, up until I was lucky to inherit some cards from John, um, I had I never bought any of the original Avison restored. I think I bought one pack of Avison restored, That's and that set I, re-
1: I regret.
0: That set is a <laughs> great set, and I mean like I it cost me a a, a lot of money to get Avison, you know the awesome Archangel mm-hmm. um, later on after you know the set had released because people were like oh hey look there's really good cards in there, hey. <laughs> but I, there's a lot of decks that my that I have that run cards from Avison restored that I just did not at the time of looking at the set it just wasn't important to me. It's just...
1: really, you know, that's the whole thing of hindsight.
0: Right. <laughs> so now like I said, just out of out of pure pure I don't know what you would call it, habit or worry
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just get a box for giggles. But all in all, uh, Aether Revolt, I'll give it a thumbs up.
1: Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. It's fun.
0: You know. Yeah, I don't think there's any other cards. Oh, there's one other card I'll point out. I, once again, I'm not sure if it was available at the time that we had our last uh, talk, but it is the Hope of Ghirapur. Um, a very fun little possible commander. If you enjoy low cost, pretty much nothing commanders. It's a one drop <laughs> colorless artifact. It's a legendary artifact creature. It's a 1-1 Thopter. It's flying and you can sacrifice it. And if you do, until your next turn, target player who was dealt combat damage by it, this turn cannot cast non-creature spells. Yeah. So you attack somebody with it and you sack it and you lock them out of doing things outside of creature things. It's a great way to counter some counter players.
1: very super cheap commander.
0: Yeah, it costs one and you can play it a couple times in a game. Um, we had a get together where, um, and this is a good segue... We had a, a get-together, um, and the, we, um, somebody played a deck with That's that. That's right. And I have to say, it was interesting, um, but I don't feel like it's something I would ever make. No. I,
1: I mean, f- I feel like if I were going to make a colorless deck... Uh,
0: I mean, I made, I do have one, but you know. it's it's Kozilek the Awesome.
1: <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah, uh, Eldrazi? Mm-hmm. I don't think I would do Artifact. Even though Artifact's cool, you do a lot of things with that. Yeah. Um, but just I feel like I would go more otgazi
0: cuz i mean i mean great segue here thinking of get speaking of get togethers and things that jengis would build um jengis built a very good a did it guys. a very good deck I
1: built a deck
0: um jengis yeah. has been playing mostly with proxy decks or like decks that straight out of the pack of the commander That's thing great. um he finally took the time buckled down and built a really awesome prosh deck i
1: really do enjoy
0: um, and you know, it's one of those decks that it's, it's something I was talking about this with Mike at the last get together. Cause Mike has a lot of times where he'll go home and he'll rebuild a deck that he just built or like destroy it mm-hmm. completely. And what he says is he's like his philosophy. And I think this is true for some people, not for me. I want to win all the time, but Mike's philosophy is in terms of seeing if a deck is going to stay around. He's like, if the deck did the thing I wanted it to do, even if I didn't win, I know I'm going to keep the deck because I have this idea in my head and if it does the idea and it does it consistently, it's working. That's
1: a solid uh, philosophy.
0: And I feel like that is a good example of like Prosh. You didn't win every game, but you definitely, I mean, it It, it was board threat. If, if, like if it, it did. If it
1: wasn't for people stopping me, I would keep doing the thing that I kept doing. Oh yeah. I actually played... Um... Uh, let me just go, it, the deck is Prosh, uh, Skyrider of Kurt, I believe is the name. Uh, he's a Jund commander. Uh, Jund's one of my favorite colors. <laughs> Next to Gruul, which mm. is Jund without black. <laughs> <laughs> um, J- Jund is, if you don't know, uh, it's red, green, black. Um, it's the, the purpose of the deck is, one, to cast Prosh as much as possible, and to play off his token generation. So either he's doing the damage or I'm making tokens and they're the fact that they're coming out is doing damage or there's just plenty of ways to do insane things Mm -hmm. uh, and just deal big, big damage with creatures that I like. That's that's the that's the gameplay that I like. So I wanted to make a deck like that. Yeah, Um, it's funny. I actually uh, my brother who plays a lot of magic now, uh, he wanted to play some uh, he wanted to play with me because I was over. I brought some I brought my commander decks. I'm like I you know, the only thing I could do is I could play commander. So he's like, alright, uh I don't have a commander deck, so he took my Saskia deck mm-hmm. and I played my Prosh. Prosh is nasty one on one. I bet. I wouldn't work I don't think it would work against any of your decks, because your decks are fast. Not so, all
0: of them. Yeah, but Oh, Drazi's not. That's true. But what you're saying is a fast deck, it would outpace. It would yeah. or get outpace, it I
1: shouldn't. But Saskia's slow. Mm-hmm. Um and like there were just points where I would get something i forget the exact name of the card but so whenever a creature gets on the battlefield it deals damage to the enemy player um
0: oh yeah there's a couple like that goblin bombardment is one of them i think no or uh the other shocky one yeah it's like, it's like thunder tremors or tremor shock yeah, or something but, um, or just you know uh it. perforos yeah. he does it too
1: but perforos is in there uh but just that card when it came out he, my brother would just groan because it's just like I'm gonna cast Prosh. It's gonna deal with damage. Prosh may die. I'm gonna cast them again. You know, it's gonna be more damage. It's like just constant damage.
0: Yeah, um, that's yeah. that's the best, really. That's how yeah. I feel like. The feeling you get from Prosh is the feeling I get from my Maelstrom Wanderer deck. It's that feeling that you're just like, you can get rid of my commander, but there's not really a losing downside <laughs> to this for me. Like I, I'm, I'm just gonna cast them again, and it's just gonna do more of what I want. So yeah, it's
1: it's fun when I have the right. I mean, it's just anything. You know, when you have the right combination of cards in your hand, you'd be like, you know, I can win on this turn. You yeah. know I can win on this turn. You know, it's not, like, super late. It's just, like, the deck makes mana happen. I get the cards I need because of tutors. Granted, because of that, it's expensive to actually build. Yeah, But I am going to buy it. I think. I
0: mean, you had. You you did get most of the. 50% of
1: the cards. Right. But just the other 50% are some of the more expensive cards. Yeah.
0: Stuff like Vampiric Tutor, Doubling Season, which, Um, by the way, kind of (laughs) segueing slightly in a direction that we weren't going to go in, but I just thought of it before we'd even talked about, or after we talked about our game plan. Um, Modern Masters is coming out in a month. What? March. I'm pretty sure Modern Masters 2017 is a March release. Sure? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, the reason I bring this up is because, you know, Jangus is saying how expensive things are, um, but a lot of the cards he needs could be reprinted in Modern Masters 2017. Come um, on,
1: doubling season.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Doubling season, yeah, release date is March 17th. Oh, my God. So, oh, spoilers should be coming out. Yeah, within the week I would say yeah, we should know that pretty soon. Um, but I would it's, I would say it's fair to accept uh, expect doubling seasons. Some people expect the uh, enemy um, fetch lands. So i goddamn happy, happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but anyway. Just kind of throwing that out there. The
1: first time I buy a box or something. It's a shame too because those
0: boxes are are expensive for less packs. You know, yeah. they come with twenty four instead of thirty six, and yeah, they're slightly more expensive. It's
1: just, it's just the odds of getting the cards you need.
0: On the other hand, you pull a Tarmogoyf, <laughs> and you pretty much pay for your box because, yeah. like, if they reprint Tarmogoyf again, because it's just like even though they've reprinted Tarmogoyf twice, the price of that card is still dumb. <laughs> um, it's always limited, it's right? Limited print uh but anyway prosh awesome yeah
1: i don't know what the next deck i'm gonna build is i figure i will finish this one then i'll think about the next one
0: yeah What? well speaking of which wow this is this is so smooth i know uh we have an open deck build challenge for you our audience (laughs) if you are listening uh we would like you to give us any legendary creature. You can comment either on one of our Facebook posts when we share this, on the Geekade Facebook, Geekade. Uh, on the Geekade website, whatever you'd like. Just um give us a comment and give us one legendary creature um from all the submissions or that we get.
1: You could send us an email at mail at com. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a thing. I think so. Yeah. Regardless of however you get in contact with us, if you give us uh, a legendary creature, we'll put it into the pool and we'll announce the winner next month and we will um, pseudo build the deck in our next cast. Um, I mean, we'll obviously kind of pre-determine what we want to do with it beforehand, but you'll hear about all of our ideas for it and what we would do with it. And then maybe even we'll actually put it together and test it out for you and let you know how it goes. Yeah, boy. Um, so... That would be a fairly risky thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of risks, Evan took one and played magic with us.
1: Yes, he did. He had an interesting time. Yeah, he won.
0: <laughs> if you didn't, if you didn't listen to the part one slash part one and two, technically, of our potential four-part uh, anniversary special. In the beginning portion, Evan played Magic the Gathering for the first time. Um, we had some thoughts and reactions at the end, but if you chose to skip it because Magic isn't your thing, but you're listening to this cast and not skipping this portion, what um, it to go back and to it? I would. I mean, at least the it's end. At least the <laughs> end. Maybe not all of it. If you're not a Magic player, it, it would be rough.
1: A long ride. And you just wanna
0: listen to stick three dudes. No, that's bad. Them. It I think long ride if you don't play magic, that's a sleep track. That's what you listen when you want to go to sleep. Um but the last 40 minutes are interesting to hear a candid, you know, opinion of Magic the Gathering, but I thought um from our perspective, we didn't really get to talk about our feelings. Um first off, Evan won both times. He did win both times. He, he used he my Azuri deck. deck. He, yeah, my Azuri deck is pretty nasty, but at the same time like uh, when I went back and edited that cast, I listened to myself talk in the second game, and I clearly remember having a hand that I went in going like there's no way, like I've got this <laughs> this game locked down. And then he managed to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm still kind of shocked. I mean, in a good way, like good for him, you but like those dick punches. Yeah, triple dick punch, man. <laughs> like it was good. But I just I, I am shocked that um I lost in that second game. Uh, not in the first game. First game, I was mono screwed.
1: I kind of wish I wonder what would have happened if I had my Proch deck instead of uh, I think I feel like that game might have gone a bit different.
0: I feel like you probably would have held your own more against Evan, at least in the first game, and the second game maybe it would have focused more on you instead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Who
1: knows? Uh, wait till next year.
0: <laughs> I do think, I mean, granted, you know, I don't know. I think Saskia was a good choice for that game yeah. with the with the newbie stuff. Um, I just caught the fact that you said next year. Oh man, that's going to make Evan cringe when he hears this. Uh, No, we'll, we'll think of something extra special for next year. (coughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. No, please. Pokemon. Yeah, right? Pokey Yu-Gi-Oh raw deal. Uh, Digimon. Uh, (laughs) the trash can set. Um, I was thinking about that today, back in the day when I played raw deal. And I remember I was so excited to get the trash can set. That was such a good set. oh, Good card game. <laughs> uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked to to see that Evan won not only once, but he he won twice, mm-hmm. and I was impressed. And I think he had minor fun. Yeah. I mean, he said he could see the allure. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he, he, had, he had his laughs. He had. I mean, it's not
1: like it was like I don't want to do this anymore. You know, like it, right.
0: He didn't get up and flip the table and walk had, away like yeah. his Monopoly yeah. story. Yeah. You know.
1: It was a good sport, you know. <laughs> yeah, played a good game. Uh, you yeah, know, we we definitely when he needed help, we gave it to him. It's not like we threw him to the walls. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, to end our magic section, we are going to talk a little bit about the Amonkhet spoilers cat spoilers yes see it's almost like i knew you were going to say that uh no, but really to, i haven't seen a single thing i know it just so happens that today the day of our recording is also the day of the toy fair uh in 2017 toy fair over at the Javits center in new york city yes. and i happen to have a website here that has pictures of all of the interesting stuff that they're making for amon cat now the things that really catch your mind there's no card spoilers per se um in terms of what cards do but there are two minor card spoilers and a minor set spoiler the two minor card spoilers are that the planeswalker decks are a Liliana and Gideon deck and they have the art for them here Jangus, here's your candid reaction if you'd like to take a look Gideon looking all like really awesome and ready for battle and Liliana just doing that thing where the wind is in her hair Oh, that's definitely a bolus throne. This is a bolus set. Um, and then the other minor spoiler for Almancat that we have at our fingertips right now is this bad boy, arch enemy Nickel Bolus. They're making a, a face. N- yeah, <laughs> they're making a new arch enemy well, set. Apparently, so happy. Hey man, it loves arch enemy. I do love arch enemy. <laughs> I'm just hoping it's not a reprint. I'm hoping it's something. I'm sure it's not. But it makes you wonder, they put a Planeswalker name on it, and it has pictures of Gideon, Chandra, and Nyssa fighting um, Bolas, which also could be spoilers for possible more Planeswalkers of the set. But I really feel like they seem to be overdoing it with the same couple Planeswalkers, like the Gatewatch.
1: I mean, they're the Justice League, man.
0: I know, but it's just like, you know.
1: I feel like if I were to be, if I were the Wizards, this would be the ultimate chapter of the Gatewatch.
0: Right. For, for now. Yeah,
1: I feel like something's gonna happen here.
0: One of them have to die. One
1: of them has to die.
0: There's 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 more than enough of the colors to replace them, but one of them has Where to die.
1: Something's gonna happen on Cat when they face Nicol Bolas.
0: You know? Johnny just came back. It's got. I don't care how indestructible he is. It's got to be Gideon. Gideon's <laughs> taking one for the Gideon, team.
1: You don't think like Liliana or like?
0: It's never gonna be Lily. Lily and Jace are fan faves. Yeah. They they who, have they have plot who armor. Would,
1: who would be their black blades walker? <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, what's his face? Siren. Oh, yeah, no. Siren's well, Soren Soren is is now white, black, but no, the other dude that's still just black. Um, Lord of Geth, oh, not Lord say, of Geth, what the hell's his name? Say,
1: uh, uh, the... the
0: mono dude from the commander set, like yeah. way back in the day, Niv, no, no. Ob-Nixilis. Obnixilis,
1: um, one of those weird, magic names, <laughs>
0: right? But no, there's no way. Lily and, and Jace are our fan faves. Um, Dark. I'm Niv- and and Chandra's the OG. And Garlic is too too out in the wilds right now, so they have to keep Nissa. But Ajani Johnny just came back. And yeah, I know he's got a little bit of green in him, but he also had a little bit of red in one point, but he's always he white. he was the white. He's yeah. the OG white. So like if I had to guess, if one of them were gonna die, it'd be the indestructible I, one and be Gideon.
1: Like to be all Vorthos about it. Um I feel like there's gonna be just like the, the dual deck, it's gonna be like a it's gonna be Liliana's gonna wanna kill or something's going to happen where Liliana and Gideon are going to go head to head and Liliana is going to have to kill Gideon. Mm-hmm. And then that's what's going to cause like the fracture mm-hmm. in Gatewatch. You know, like if I
0: to predict. Or maybe I, it won't. <laughs> all I know is that this set looks hella Egyptian.
1: Indeed. Um,
0: like, I mean, there's like pretty much Osiris everywhere and just like, oh, man. I wonder if
1: they're going to do more God
0: cards. I know that there is a trial. At, um, yeah, I'm looking at the, the trial of the gods. I'm looking at this. Yeah. Right. Which are just fun things you can do at, like, events to get, I guess, prizes. Um, the the trials are stuff like, you know, like, bring a friend with you to magic Whoa, and, like, you know, Dave, what?
1: Did you see that picture with, like, the four cards?
0: Which four cards? Oh no. Oh, the spin down. Yeah, I did. Did you see the spin down? I did. I mean, if you had said that, I would have said yes. I thought you meant like spoiler oh cards. Yeah. Buddy. So here, that's the last thing I was going to touch upon. Apparently, I don't know if they just threw it in there just to tease people. I don't know if it comes in the arch enemy set. Oh I don't know if it comes in Almonkett in one of the pre release decks. Comes in, I'm buying it. Right. I don't care. But that the elusive spin down. Um, the the the. Would you call it a sp- I mean, what do you call they it? Call spin it down? Commander spin down. The commander power. spin down. It's not really a die so much as just a spin down tool. But it came life counter. The life counter, yeah. The spin down life counter that came out back when they made that really like
1: metally too.
0: It looks black and metally. It's awesome. Um, but they made it back in um it was when they made that limited edition commander set. What was that called? Was it just called Commander's
1: Toolkit?
0: Commander's Arsenal? something like that I think it's commanders arsenal mm-hmm. um it was a limited set and it also happened like right around the time of hurricane sandy um so in new jersey i just remember like no stores were open and nobody had shipments of it and like i just i, I ended up getting the last one over at new world manga um but that was the set that the stupid little spin down came in and it's great <laughs> and i've been using it i've been using it ever since but like for the longest time, these these plastic cheap little spin downs that they came in the commander's arsenal were so much money online, like 20, 25 dollars for what is probably, you know, a 3D printing job of about 25 cents. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I couldn't believe how much they're going for. Well, anyway, if you know what I'm talking about or if you look up what I'm talking about, they have one of these in black and possibly even metal um, in the case of the toy fair. It's next to an Aether Revolt deck, but I'm not sure what it comes in. I don't think it's in any Aether Revolt product. If I had to guess, it
1: has the, uh,
0: the-, the Planeswalker symbol on it. So I would say if I had to guess, it either is going to come in the bundle as opposed to the regular Spin Down Die, which would be amazing. Or it's going to come more likely, I would say, in that Arch Enemy deck. Um if there's anything on this table that it, it's, it's, it's coming from, I would say it's the arch enemy. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Large format game with a lot of life. You need a big counter for yeah, being an arch enemy. Makes
1: perfect sense. Uh. I just, you know, I know that I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also just to touch up on real quick. Uh, they released a whole bunch of stuff about like, they're changing up some of the game day stuff from one kit. Um, they're going to do standard showdown again. Um, but they're kind of like expanding it a little bit to not be so strict, mm-hmm. like you know. Um, and they mentioned that for the prize pool, they're going to do Amunet full art lands uh, for some of them. I don't know if they're going to if those are just going to be strictly promo or Amunet's going to come with full art land. Mm. But that'd be cool. I would definitely be like that's that's you know more reason to buy <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that wraps up our Magic, Magic the Gathering.
1: Next time we uh, talk, we'll have more.
0: We'll know more. We'll know, definitely know Modern Masters and uh, we'll know more about Amonkhet, I'm sure. But
1: real quick, who do you think are going to be the Planeswalker deck for Amonkhet?
0: I just told you, Lily and Gideon.
1: Oh, I thought they were just, oh yeah, dual decks are. Sorry. I, I keep <laughs> thinking back to like, you know. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah okay. It's Lily and Gideon. All right. Cool. Because I mean there they are.
1: <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: all right. So moving on to D. Uh Unearthed Arcana has still been releasing They're
1: still chugging out those unearthed Arcanas.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> which are have still been those class specific Unearthed Arcanas. They've mm-hmm. just been going and they well, I think they just
1: there's a bit of there was one that was a little different.
0: There was. Um but they just finished up their final. Yeah, right. You, you can talk about that in a second. Well, um, you know, talk about that first. Go ahead. Talk about the one that wasn't class related.
1: Sure, uh, one that I was actually a little excited for. Uh, they did a uh, another class, uh, one that I'm partri- uh, particularly fond of, the Artificer. It from one of my favorite campaign settings, Eberron. <laughs> um, Artificer is really cool. Uh because they're kind of like a steampunky kind of character. Uh they're pretty much the only class in 5e, if you can count on Arthur kind of, as part of 5e, that can use a firearm. Um it's very specific to them. They they are the only ones who could do it. And you know, it's I think it's really cool. They captured a lot of what made uh Artificer good from they captured that same Artificer feel. If you remember Artificer from I think 4E and even somewhat the the uh whatchamacallit? The other game that we played. Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Yeah. The Pathfinder kind of artificer, where it's like you're imbuing things into your your weapons. You're making alchemist drafts, drafts. You can make like bombs and like special things. And just like I said, I really like guns. I really like that there's guns here. They call it a thunder cannon.
0: Um, a thundercat
1: <laughs> and like it has like all kinds of abilities that you can do and I really would love to play an artificer I don't think I'll probably be playing an artificer in any of Dave's games but you know maybe if I if I find someone who's playing a game I'd be like yeah I'm be an artificer
0: you can play an artificer I wouldn't mind yeah yeah all
1: right um, <laughs> whatever game that will be but yeah altogether, I think artificer is really cool uh, that was really the only one that was different from everything else well, I would love to see Artificer and just like an official book. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with all these. Um, if they're going to make a player's handbook too. It's
0: got to be leading up to player's handbook too. I, so yes, yeah, so they, they've been, in addition to that, they've also, been, like I said, been chugging out those um, class specific like little class
1: options for each class.
0: Right. And they finally finished it up with a uh, wizard and Warlock today, mm-hmm. the last two, because they went in alphabetical order. Um, and I wanted to comment specifically on the wizard, uh option. The the new yeah. arcane tradition.
1: The brought tradition that I was actually particularly fond of, I think, when the last time they brought it
0: around. Yeah, Lore Master. Um, which is really, really neat. So the idea of Lore Master is like, you know, you study all these spells and you know magic so well that you can just do the, all of these archmage type it, things.
1: I feel, like, uh, I feel like Wizard is, you know, they they generally are thought to be studious, but they're really still kind of like that level of like Wizard like Gandalfy type wizard. Mm-hmm. Well, when I think of like my favorite kind of wizard is the lore master type wizard who's just a nerd about magic. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and they, being a nerd, they're um, able to change the energy type of their spells very early on, and then eventually their ultimate ability, which is probably the most impressive of all their abilities. Level fourteen, um, they can just cast any spell. That they have a spell slot equal to just once per day or, you know, once per long rest, technically. Um, If there's a spell, doesn't matter whose spell list it's on, doesn't matter if it's divine, doesn't matter if it's arcane, doesn't matter if they know it, if they don't, just any spell, they're just like, I need magic right now. They can cast it Mm -hmm. as long as they have the spell slot of equal level to what it would normally be on the cast list they're casting it from. So if it's a ninth level cleric spell, they have to have a ninth level spell slot open. But still, the fact that they can literally cast any spell ever, Mm -hmm. that is ridiculous.
1: Definitely, this is just, I mean... I love playing the characters I play, but like What a Trump card. <laughs> I would love to play a lore master. Right. Uh even just because like it could also be a sniper <laughs> if they use their uh their alchemical casting mm-hmm. and they uh if it's, it's something they get at level six. Um, boosts the damage boosts or D
0: C or range.
1: Or range. Goes from thirty feet to a mile. <laughs> yep.
0: Magic <laughs> missile at a mile's distance. Yeah, like, but I think you still have to have line of sight.
1: Probably. But it's still kind of cool, but still yeah it's flavorful
0: you just have you just have a scope in your finger out <laughs> <laughs> I see him. um yeah i I think lore masters pr- insane um now once the, again take it
1: was double proficiency on all knowledge checks like yeah, they're like their utility up the ass
0: yeah um <laughs> I just I think they're awesome
1: I cast a ice fireball. <laughs>
0: I just I'm I'm still more in shock about the any spell like just I just God really? what a There's cool.
1: so many other things I'm just like this is so cool
0: I, and everything about them is cool but that one ability and just my mind because I just it's that moment that moment where it's going to be a what do we need we need t, it's going to be TPK TPK man yeah. and like everybody's just like what are we going to do and he's just like well fucking and then boop this spell here it is. here's what we needed the thing that saves us There it it is got it guys no (laughs) worries like I just it's it's insane to me um all in all on earth darkana very very pleasing um please look at all the class specific stuff uh change the saving throw required I know man I know they can be like what's that it's dex to get rid of a fireball no it's not it's charisma (laughs) (laughs) You have to smile real hard to get out of the path of this <laughs> fucking fireball um it's ridiculous uh, another of the products that they've released oh, yes or are going to release um a new it's a multi adventure book it is and it's
1: one little like i think probably like you know so much like a dungeon like it's gonna be like a like a a core-ish kind of feel. It's
0: going to be a fat book. It's got to be. And it's... For 50
1: bucks, it better be. Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Tales from the Yawning Portal... Uh, it includes some of the renowned, classic, famous adventures that have been throughout many inter- uh, iterations of Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, Ravenloft is not one of them because, you know, they already made that its own separate thing. But I think White Plume is in there. Um, but really, the the gemstone, the crowning jewel, if you will, of the adventures <laughs> is the Tomb of Horrors is getting a 5e reprint.
1: And it is. Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. My old friend. Yeah. <laughs> um I think I
0: even said to
1: Dave, no, not again. <laughs>
0: and I said forever, always. Uh the Tomb of Horrors is I mean, we've we've talked that length. We've talked it, but I think I think now's a good time to just really hash out the tomb. <laughs> Let's discuss the Tomb of Horrors. What makes the Tomb of Horrors so good? I mean I mean, first off, let me let me just let me start off by saying this was like this is a very polarizing adventure, I feel, the Tomb of Horrors. Some players hate it, like just think it was like the worst kind of dungeon building. Others like it. Um, if you are a Dark Souls player, mm-hmm. if you are someone who can play Dark Souls and you're like, this is a great game, or if in like Final Fantasy 15 most recently, if you went to the... Is it P- Piteous? Uh, yeah. Dungeon? um, And you played through that without the skip, which were just found out the other day, there's a way to beat it in a minute and 34 seconds and get the black hood. And I was really God. pissed off. Cause it took me like six hours to beat, <laughs> but, um, but you miss all the other cool items, of course.
1: but the, the whole experience, if
0: you enjoy puzzle solving in a role playing game and you enjoy great stakes, like knowing that there's a very good chance your character is going to die. Um, and it's and it's unforgiving in the in like a, that Dark Souls sense where like you know if you like a game that doesn't pull <laughs> like, punches. Like
1: there's a goddamn uh, Orb of annihilation. Yeah, the, in the in the first <laughs> actual room,
0: um, I think then you would enjoy Tomb of Horrors. There's um, a lot of
1: like visual cues that you have to pay attention to. There's a lot of like. Um,
0: I, okay, let's just say spoiler alert because I want to talk about the tomb.
1: All right.
0: I want to talk about the tomb and our experiences in it. Okay. So the first time okay. I... So they, okay, chugga-chugga-choo-choo. Chew, chew. <laughs> Boom. Uh, our first experience with Tomb of Horrors dates back to... I think I, think I was definitely still in high school at the time. You might have been in high school or maybe just out.
1: I think I was just
0: out. Yeah. Hollywood video days. Yeah. And we... Got together at Joe's house, and I was all pumped for the Tomb of Horrors because, you know, obviously a classic, well-known player-killing adventure. And I'm just yeah. like, let's let's go. Let's get in there. So I made some, you know, BS hook as to why they needed to go into the tomb, but it really didn't matter. It wasn't about having a campaign. It was about just playing the Tomb of Horrors. Being in there. Yeah, just seeing seeing what all the hub and bub was about. Um, the the guys got together. It was I think about four of you. I want to say it was you, Phil. Rocco and Joe. I believe that was the party. That was the four person party Um, playing, you know, all of their at at the time, high school uh, iconic characters. (laughs) And they go to the tomb and to begin the tomb, just to kind of give you the idea of what this is, it takes a ridiculous, I mean, I'll say this in five E terms now. Um, I don't know what, don't, you know, don't quote me. I don't know what they're going to do with it for five E, but in terms of what you would need to do in five E, it would be a perception check. Um, I guess it was a search at the time. What was it in three five?
1: Yeah, I think.
0: I don't remember what they called it, but anyway, it was a. It was the equivalent of a perception check, and it needed. There was a stupid DC for it, and the thing is, at every there was like three different DCs. At the at the easiest and lowest DC, you found the entrance to the tomb of horrors, which I should tell you is a big. Fucking rock in the shape of a skull. Yes, it is. And you find like the first entrance. And when you go into the first entrance, it's immediately trapped. And it's this like was that the rocks? Were they both? Was,
1: I think it was the rocks.
0: Okay. So it's like you get in there and it's either a pressure plate or a tripwire. And if you don't see it, the whole it just unleashes an, an avalanche of, of boulders, and it's like you can. I know you could reflex save or now dexterity save to That's make half, right. but even at half, the damage was like, if I remember correctly, it was something ridiculous. It was like 10d20 blunt or something like it was, like s- it was, it was it, bludgeoning. It. Yeah. yeah, it was like or like 20d10 b- bludgeoning damage. It was it was something to where like even at half damage, you were like critically maimed, if not dead. So, literally, like tons of people who would come to the Tomb of Horrors would get to that, wouldn't even get inside. They'd nope. get to a fake entrance and they die. Think,
1: they would think what they thought was inside, but it wasn't.
0: And even if they survived, or if they got the slightly higher DC, they would find the second entrance, which, guess what? Also fake. <laughs> so merciless. Also trapped. <laughs> also deadly. But if you got the highest DC or you survived past one and two long enough to find number three, you finally got the right entrance. You get into the tomb of horrors and the first hallway, you're already just like half fucked.
1: <laughs> already, if, you, if you've been through one and two, you already have PTSD. Oh, yeah. You're just like, it's just God, so bad. Check everything.
0: <laughs> um. The hallway is trapped beyond belief. You have to walk a certain path. There's a riddle written on the ground. And then to top it off, I don't want to give too much away because I do say play it. But to top it off at the end of the hallway, I will give this away because we've said it before. And we you deserve to not do a Jengis. The very end of the hallway is a fucking demon head. Because <laughs> you get There's a fucking demon head with an orbit of annihilation in its mouth. And messed up. yeah, this, and I think the adventure is meant. I want to say for like, what were you, what were you guys ninth level characters? Yeah, it was like maybe. Was like super low I, low. I don't think it was in double digits. Yeah. it was like seventh or it's, ninth. It's a goddamn orb! And of it's a life fucking life. orb of annihilation in the first room. Like you touch it, you're dead. You're just gone. You're obliterated. There's nothing left. And. I mean, obviously, in our first game in that, at that night with our with the lights dim in, in Joe's kitchen and, <laughs> you know, slash dining room, we're at his little table and lights are dim and there's some candles on and they make it to this thing and Jengis dies. And that was pretty much the end of their first Tomb of Horrors adventure. They didn't really make it past. That. Maybe you guys, I think you guys made it maybe a little further in. No, I don't
1: know. I
0: think they got to the naked part. I think somebody became naked.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they probably just went back and
0: like... But regardless, they didn't get too much further. Once Genghis went, like, we railroaded the adventure into a different direction to get him back. But really, like, that was that was pretty much the nail in the coffin where everybody was just like, we're done with this. <laughs> and that was our first Tomb of Horrors adventure. Yeah.
1: It's quite the adventure. To yeah, have. <laughs> we revisited. It was, it was only I think it wasn't until MSU that we went back and I was actually able to revisit it. Re- go further than where we were and
0: beat it. It yeah. was beaten, but yeah, it wasn't until college with Justin where you know it was actually beaten and he and he survived the whole thing.
1: Well, I think I missed like one or two, one or two
0: games. Yeah, yeah. and it was. Um, we revisited it there, and that time it was part of a campaign, so there was, like, a reason for it. Mm-hmm. And it worked out really well, My the whole reasoning behind it. But they get to the Tomb of Horrors, you know, there's the first two traps, then they get to that hallway, and then it just kind of gets, like, crazy from there. There's a gargoyle. I think you guys got to the gargoyle, gargoyle the first time, too. But it's just because it had, like, this rend, and it would just, like, it would hit you, and the hit became an automatic grab, and the grab turned into a rend, and it just, like... It just destroyed players.
1: It, had, it was, like, super strong, even though it was, like, one gargoyle.
0: Yeah, it was, like, overly strong. And then there was that other, like, pathway with all, like, the mosaics of the different creatures. And some of them, like, you would touch and the creature would, like, all of a sudden spawn there. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was one you had to go through. There's a portal of nakedness. That's
1: right. It just strips you.
0: It just, it completely, if you walk through it, and you have to. I think you have to. Yeah. I think it is a portal, like, I don't remember what was behind it, but I feel like to complete the Tomb of Horrors, somebody had to go through that portal. Maybe? Maybe not. Maybe, I, maybe I'm... I thought
1: it was like the gems had to be in a certain way.
0: Maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I, I maybe it really is just that much of a fuckery where you just walk through it and it's like, fuck you, you didn't even have to do it. But it strips you naked. It removes every item on your person and your clothing and you have nothing. So even if you geared really well for the Tomb of Horrors, you become yeah,
1: naked. It's just that's
0: it <laughs> there's another arch that was it a gender switch or was it an yeah, alignment gender switch and I then think, there was alignment yeah, was switch, switch too right <laughs> yeah so there was one with that would switch your gender completely um and another one that would switch your alignment completely so you would go from being like exact opposite These weren't it, like
1: things that like were reversed quickly they were
0: just like you couldn't reverse them yeah. unless you had the magic to do so and it was like high level magic like you were just stuck. <laughs> and in terms of the items, like I think you get them back when you complete the Tomb of Horrors, but if you don't complete the Tomb of Horrors, you just don't get those items back. They're yeah. in the lowest level it's of the just, tomb. Just so There's like a fucking genie in there. Mm-hmm. I remember that genie killed Robin's character. Yes, it did. Um, Didn't
1: like um, Manny like, become enthralled by it or something? Yeah, like I'm that? pretty
0: sure it like, took him <laughs> over. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> At the
1: very end.
0: It's a, it's a Demi-Lich. It's not even a Lich. A Lich would almost be better. It's a Demi-Lich. A Lich is a very, very powerful undead. Um, it Usually of the wizard variety. Uh, you The only way to kill a Lich...
1: They just want to keep living forever. Yep.
0: And the only way to kill a Lich is to, after you actually defeat it in battle is to then go and find its phylactery and destroy the phylactery. If you yeah. don't destroy its phylactery, the Voldemort lich will, yeah. Style. Oh yeah, those horcruxes, man. <laughs> if you don't destroy it, it comes back. Um, and yeah. it'll be pissed. Voldemort was a lich. Yeah. He was a, he was a super lich. He just, had several phylacteries. I just realized that now. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. He's a lich and technically a necromancer. Yeah. He has Inferi in the lake. That's true. Yeah. he's a, has Tam, man. <laughs> uh Damn. Yeah just spun your harry potter world right there That's right. uh but a demi lich it sounds like it should be less of a lich. <laughs> it's not really not it's not it's like a floating jeweled skull but the thing is it can capture the souls of its enemies within its eyes frankly forever and I believe it doesn't even need to kill an enemy. Like if it does kill an enemy, you de- it definitely gains their soul. But I think there's like a save when you first encounter the lich. That like if you didn't make the save, it just it just took your soul right then and there. That's right. Like it's just like dead
1: because this you adventures through all that to die right there. Just
0: think you could be naked and your soul could be gone, <laughs> and you could also be gone from like you know man to woman, and also from good to evil. You could have been an evil naked woman whose soul has been <laughs> captured. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah,
1: that's the tomb of horrors.
0: Or if you were playing a man or playing a woman already, you could have been an evil naked man whose soul is <laughs> captured. Or a evil person.
1: could have been a good naked
0: man. Or a good naked woman. That's right. One way or another, you were always naked. Or
1: if you're neutral, you'd just be another neutral guy.
0: <laughs> Still naked. <And>
1: naked neutral. <laughs>
0: um, the tomb of horrors has some other delights and surprises. That a I can't remember and b we won't spoil here, but uh, I was so happy when we finally got through it because even as a dm even though I didn't play through it as a player, which don't get me wrong i I would have I would have loved to have played that game um but even as a dm, I shared the joy of completing the tune mm-hmm. like I was happy you guys succeeded
1: this is not really that long I was thinking I was thinking like how big is this book gonna be? It's going to have like, it's going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven adventures in it.
0: You want to read them off while you're looking?
1: Sure. Uh, we have Against the Giants, Dead and Thay, Forge of Fury, Hidden Shrine of Tomochon, Sunless Citadel, Tomb of Horrors, and White Plume Mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and, yeah, Tomb of fars isn't, like, crazy big. Like, if you got, like, the old, like, fourth, if you were getting that fourth edition limited one, it's, like, you know, it's, like, it's a little booklet.
0: Yeah, the limited one, not yeah. the one where they decided to try and make two more tombs and it didn't work out at all.
1: No. Um, but, like, I guess it's not going to be, it, can, it doesn't have to be super big, but it's just, like, huh, just, like, think, like, is this going to be, like, you know, normal size? It's going to be, like, a bit, like, you know. Final Fantasy strategy guide, like, you know, like, I've, size. I or... feel
0: like it's going to be the size of, like, the Monster Manual. Yeah. Meaty. Meaty. But not... Meaty book. Not overly so. It
1: doesn't list the page counts, so... There's
0: no way for us, to you know. Well, regardless, um, I think Tomb of Horrors is just one of those... It's just one of those timeless adventures. Oh, and I should say, when the fourth edition limited version did come out, we did attempt the fourth edition version with the group from the first time around, and that didn't really go anywhere either. No, but
1: that was because
0: of them. that was because everybody was hating fourth edition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I really do. I don't know. Would we run it again? Would we do it again? I would you?
1: Yeah, I would hella do it. Oh, but here's 248 the th- pages.
0: That's meaty. That's meaty. But here's the thing, like, do you think it'll be different? Because if you know all the answers already...
1: Thankfully, I have a horrible memory. <laughs> so there's a lot of things I wouldn't quite remember. Uh, I mean, I, I, I tell feel... You I know there's an archway with, like, three gems, and they do things, but, like... I don't remember anything about that.
0: Right, but even that, even that and even knowing the fake entrances, I feel like would give you a small advantage.
1: I guess so. But... Um, I wouldn't, you know, just from a player's standpoint, these adventures aren't really meant to, like, you know, I mean, still dice rolls. They're still, like, you know.
0: An element of chance to them.
1: Exactly. I I think it's so out of the ordinary to play it.
0: I guess that's true. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see.
1: One of us will buy it. Or download it I mean not We'll
0: buy it Like I would buy it Like good (laughs) citizens I I would buy it Um
1: I would never do that Hasbro I always buy all of your products.
0: We love you Hasbro Um We don't proxy anything No Uh Proxy? What's a proxy? What is a proxy? Download? What's a download? What is the internet? It's a PDF Uh (laughs) Yeah, rounding out our D and D section. So just like we talked about in Magic, Evan also played D and D.
1: Did you should also listen to that. I don't care who you are.
0: That's just go, a fun cast. Go,
1: go listen to that cast.
0: Yeah, that was just a fun cast. Mind <laughs> you, at the end we all get a little tired because so the energy energy lags a little bit.
1: Genghis brought some of his a role playing game to that game. Yeah,
0: that was <laughs> I had a lot of fun and also from an editing standpoint, I've been listening to it. I'm, I, there's very few edits. We pretty much stuck in game yeah. almost the entire time, and that's like two and a half hours. It is. Um, the, we didn't really break because
1: we kind of got into it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was good though. Adam got into it. Yeah, like, he was there. I thought I thought Evan did a good job. I
1: think, he did, I think he did a great job. I wish he rolled better, but that's neither here nor. He bad. did in the beginning. <laughs>
0: he did in the beginning. I remember the very beginning. He was like his first roll. I had to do like a perception check or something, and he was like twenty. And I was Dude. like, natural 20. All right. Well, great way to start. Yeah. Um, at the end, it got his rolls got a little. When it mattered, his rolls got dicey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all in all, I thought, I thought it was good. A great time. It, I made it a quick mod. It wasn't too overcomplicated. I didn't I actually, you know, had you guys not been so poor off, at the end like I would have had you guys face the the big baddie in the end maybe but I I like leaving the game open ended because you know that's how D&D should feel like especially from a new player perspective I want Evan to feel like it is a, a living world so it doesn't all wrap up neatly at the end of one game at the same time on some godforsaken chance that he decides that he enjoyed <laughs> it enough maybe he'd want to come back and play it that's Right. so he has he has investment Um, what did you think?
1: Uh, I had a great time like I just love to play, so it's like I was able to play my character that I really enjoyed, Kurt. And I was able to you were in a, you were in like, Hamlet, man. I wasn't Hamlet. I I definitely like, I gave you a nod. Um, I was able to ham it up a little bit with the role playing and make Evan laugh. And I, like I said, I had a great time. I I swung real hard and I hit real hard. Yeah. Um, you know, reckless so abandon, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a you know, our brains don't have crazy high ac. So it's not like I don't really care. Plus, when I'm raging, I have damage resistance. Right. Um, you know, there's definitely like points where I. T- <laughs> Funny thing about being a uh, a frenzy berserker and not a totem berserker is that when you do uh, the frenzy thing, uh, you <laughs> you get exhaustion. And if I had finished that rage, that second rage, I would have been taking some severe penalties to my rolls. So i'm glad we never really got to that third rage because then i'd be super tired yeah and then if we had to escape and fight to escape I would have probably been useless yeah
0: i mean that last fight was tough <laughs> I was too
1: like, i got like, oh, all that necrotic damage
0: yeah oh that was bad yeah, uh, yeah. that was real bad
1: uh it could have could have gone anyway but like i said all in all i had a lot of fun playing uh, i think it i think it shows in the cast mm-hmm.
0: um Story was good.
1: Story was good. Good. I, I was I was invested in. my... Like I said, I played played a bit of the, the comedy. I played like the, uh, you know, I wasn't the straight. Man. The stooge. It was the stooge. the second banana. <laughs> Indeed, uh, because it was Evan's story. Was, you know, I was just I, maybe his companion, but you know, it was it was for Evan. So you know, I I I definitely allowed that to happen. Muted you. It was. Um, <laughs> But uh oh all, all, Yeah, solid. I thought well, I wish we could keep playing it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you
0: know, I'm always in the mood for D&D. Speaking of which, uh let's talk about the release date of our first episode of You Ushana Pasco Plays. Yeah. I yeah. Think we're aiming to have that
1: release uh, end of March. End of March.
0: It would be the first episode.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Now we set it.
1: Yeah, for yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you say it, David. <laughs> <laughs> End of March, first episode of "You Shall Not Pass." Go plays.
0: Now we said it. Now you can hold us accountable to it. To it. So you've heard it. End of March, first episode will End be out. <laughs> Jenga started sweating right? immediately. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> I <get oily>. Um. <laughs> that pretty much rounds out our D&D section. That's right. I
1: don't think there's
0: anything else really. No. Crazy. But as always, just like before, should you have any comments, always feel free to kind of give your opinion. And if there's something you want to hear us talk about on the cast, we'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going into board games, which we're slowly shifting away. We will still try and make it one retro, one modern. But we're running out of retro games that A, we like enough to talk about and B, that there are of because there's not... Uh, retro is a, it's a it's a it's a limited pool i
1: mean yeah they're, they're there just you know if you're listening you're probably thinking of like you know a dozen that we could talk about right like, you know right <laughs> so it's
0: just pretty much going to be two board games now not necessarily one retro one modern yeah. um just like we did in the january cast when we did both pimp and beer money mm-hmm. um so starting our board game section sushi go
1: sushi go one of my favorites Sushi Go is what is known as a drafting game. Um, If you're familiar with Magic the Gathering, you know how to draft, you take a card, pass it. Mm -hmm. That's what Sushi Go is. Yep. Each card has uh, either a point value or does something.
0: And some kind of sushi.
1: Yes. Everything is sushi or sushi adjacent. Right.
0: (laughs) Technically, there's a wasabi card.
1: There is. And chopsticks. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, the chopsticks. (laughs) uh, It's a very simple game. Like, even if you've never played... You know, any kind of like if you've never played like a a modern board, it's not, I wouldn't even call it like some, it's just, it's a very simple game, easy to play. You can play with anybody.
0: It's a party game, definitely. It's
1: definitely a party game. They released a, uh, a, the original game only supports up to like five players, but they released a party pack that is uh, one modular, uh, (laughs) which really adds a lot of fun to it. And two, uh, can support up to eight players or so. Mm. Yeah, a ton of players. And I love games that can really expand out. Because, like, it's generally when we play board games with, like, a group of people, that group can be up to six to eight, you know. Or more. Or more. Yeah. I
0: mean, it depends on how many people show.
1: So I like finding games that work for that number of people that's not, like, you know.
0: A four-hour, five-hour game and Super Convoluted. Exactly. Yeah. It is.
1: I like, I brought this game actually no I didn't play that I played something else we'll talk about that another
0: time <laughs> we played Sushi Go the party box version we played it on New Year's yeah and um, I played at Sushi Go once before with Jengis uh, I think it was just the two of us that first time Is the regular Sushi Go mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed playing it it's quick it's easy fun fun to play easy to learn easy to pick up um you match cards. You draft cards and try to get matches. And the reason you get matches is because depending on how many you have of each card, is going to depend on the point value you're going to get or the modifiers you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certain cards do other little fun things like the chopsticks, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can look into it. But overall, um, I do like its ease and I do like how many players it can support. Yeah. So for those reasons, uh, a thumbs up.
1: Yeah, two thumbs way up for me. I would say go get the party pack.
0: Which... Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, the party pack not only does it support like the minimum number of people, but like I said, it's modular. Uh, it includes you can change out the entrees and the desserts and like you know the different aspects of the game, and it makes it so there's like a million ways to play. So you know, it's cheap. It's super cheap. Mm-hmm. It's like thirty bucks. It's like super
0: cheap. <laughs> but I mean, like board game style. Gonna, yeah, yeah. No, know, I get how you.
1: Times you'll we'll be able to play it. You know, like. And, yeah, there's just so many
0: reasons. A lot of replay value. I couldn't
1: read <laughs> which is a great segue into the next
0: game we're going to Wait, re- wait. It is, but I'm going to hold it right there. As we're talking about um, just picking up the board games, we always like to talk about local shops. I thought we'd just throw a shout out um, this month to Satellite Comics and Games. Yeah. Uh, over in Chatham, New Jersey. They are moving, though. I'm not sure where to. But um, you should definitely go there and pick up. They have Magic the Gathering stuff. They have D&D stuff. And they have tons of board games. Um, great shop. Great atmosphere. And comics, yeah. Um, I would definitely say if you're in the New Jersey area, and northern New Jersey specifically, that would be a shop to check out. Especially because by the time this cast comes out, if I have this right, I may have this wrong. But if I have this right, because it'll be about two weeks from now, I believe they're moving and I think they announced today or so that the moving day is in about 30 days from now or a, a, a month's time. And I think the gimmick is that every day they take an extra 1% off than the previous day and discount on the entire store stock. Ooh. So culminating in like a party, which I guess would be like a 30% off party. Um, so pending that I got those details correct, I highly recommend, and even if they're not correct, even if it's a discount of 2%, you should still still go check out the shop While they're in Chatham. Um, If by the time you listen to this, they have moved, I would say the best source of information for Satellite is their Facebook page, which you can find very, very easily. Just type in Satellite Comics and Games into uh, Facebook Facebook, and it'll pop up. Um, Now with that segue on replayability. Yes. Our second game
1: that has a lot of replayability to another game that.
0: Questionable replayability. Yes. We'll discuss replayability. <laughs> um, <clears throat> time stories. Yes,
1: the new the new hotness that we've discovered.
0: Uh, well, you discovered it before me. I had I had I'd mentioned it. it had to have been. Months ago, like probably when we were maybe even even close to a year ago, we were only two or three episodes into our podcast and I was looking for games that we could review. I was standing in Barnes and Noble and I saw this game, Time Stories, and what drew me to it was the aesthetic look of the box. Um, Minimalist. You know, very, very Apple product y, like this gleaming white Light. box <laughs> with just like a little bit of artwork and you just and and no details about anything. And you're just like, I don't know what this is, but because I don't know, it could be a, it could be a boat. Like you know what I mean? Like it
1: could be a boat.
0: It could be a boat. Um so immediately I, I look into it and I kind of see that it has a good rating on some board game rating websites. And I called up Jengis. I was like, hey man, like what do you know about this? Well, Jengis apparently had already been playing this game. Yes, I have. And he had enjoyed it very much. So I ended up buying it about a month ago and or a month and a half ago. And we played through the first adventure, which is, um, there's expansions for it. I'll explain all of this in a moment. But the, the thing you need to know is Jengus never played the first adventure. So he joined us for the first game. That's right. Um, now to t- kind of talk about what it is. Time stories is adventure a game. an adventure mystery game. very detective style. Um, there's a there's like a, a big story and the story has a big puzzle. And it's up to you and the other players to solve that puzzle. The game can be played between two to four players. Best um with four. best with definitely best with four. And if you play two, the game even recommends you actually NPC an extra character, only because the challenges become difficult, especially with very little people. Um but the idea is that you come from the distant future, unknown time.
1: <coughs>
0: <coughs> Sorry, man. <That's> <coughs> You come from the future, an unknown distant time, and you have to, you're told that you're part of this organization that utilizes time travel. They send specifically your consciousness only back in time as to minimize your impact on history because yes. if they were to send you back the moment you step on the ground it's like homer simpson in that treehouse of horror they, like you know you step on a butterfly <laughs> and the butterfly effect happens they,
1: they send you into a receptacle with little import in history right
0: so the receptacle is a body or a person of that time span you you essentially take over their mind you control them and they themselves were people as jenga said who had minimal impact on history so even if you make them do something random like it's not like or if they were to die per se You're not changing or altering history in a way that would be super impactful. Exactly. Um, Which is really sad for all of your receptacles. It really is. You look at them and you're just like, these people mean nothing. But that's so sad.
1: I I have to be very careful about my words because I don't want to give anything away. Right.
0: Um, So anyway... That's the that's the the concept. Yeah, well, that's the concept of the game. But the base game comes with the first story called Asylum. Sends you back to the 1920s in France. Um, Something's going on at an asylum because there's another group, another time traveling group that is like the evil time traveling group, and they're going throughout time, creating rifts in the time and time aberrations and alternate realities. And it's up to you to go back and correct them. You're you're quantum leaping essentially. That's like it's like. Group Quantum Leap, the game. Oh boy! Yeah, oh boy! <laughs> um, God, that was a good show. Great and show. but the thing is, is that just like any good mystery, once you know the solution to this to the mystery, um, there is a there is a solution to every game. There's like because there, there's like a, an issue, and every game has, as far as I'm aware, Jenkins can correct me if I'm wrong because he's played through all four expansions. That's the other thing. Every there's there's a uh, currently five now as of this cast there's five expansions of the game and so in addition to the base game that makes a total of six possible stories um that you can play and jenks is double counting Uh, the first one is the time stories base game then there's the marcy case which is the second and the prophecy of dragons then under the mask then expedition endurance so I guess that's five in total. Yeah. They're working on number six. It's called Lumis Fidei or Fide or it's Illuminati, Illuminati, Illuminati. Italian. Yeah, <laughs> Templars. Yeah, with something. Um, anyway. I'll tell you. So I guess there's, I guess there's so, <laughs> so I guess there's four expansions available now. So five stories in total. Um, but there's a, always like a mystery and there's a solution to the puzzle. And
1: you have a mission. There is a way to do that mission. Correct. And there's only one way. Well, not only.
0: But there's, 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 solution, there's a yeah. solution to that puzzle, and if you don't solve, like, to solve it, once you have, it would be hard to play. We'll talk about replaying in a second. Anyway, for instance, in the first game, you are sent back to the asylum because supposedly something is happening there that's causing a rift in reality. I don't think they give too many more details than that and I'd be I'd be wary to give more. Things that I can say is you in this game particular, you in Asylum you start in the same room every time, the day room of the asylum. Every time you jump in. What I mean by every time, here's a mechanic that we've yet to explain. One of the most fun mechanics about time traveling is this. If you fail your mission, you have a certain amount of time they're measured in units, quite literally time units. And you're given a static amount in the very beginning of your first run and if you run out of time units you are shot back to the present your present you're scolded by this dude named Bob who just (laughs) you know has nothing better to do than make you feel worthless and then shoved back in there and you try again Um, but as you try again you start from the beginning so you've lost all the items you've collected and the majority of you know stuff that you've gone through but you go back in with all the knowledge of every previous run which makes your runs smoother and allows you to kind of go places and do things you you wouldn't have thought of the first time can, and there are certain items it could be it could be pieces of the map of the overall map um or it could be actual specific items like in, in i mean is that a spoiler? It is a spoiler. <laughs> well, the Marcy case?
1: I mean, it exists. That's really just all you could say. <laughs>
0: I don't think this is spoiled because it doesn't mean anything or or even perhaps a Playboy magazine smut for some reason Um, (laughs) later.
1: No, no, it's really
0: not. Oh, I was going to say, like, don't it was just funny. Oh, it's just shocked me. I was just like, oh, my God, were we supposed to do something with that Playboy magazine (laughs) that I didn't know about? Um, But no. (laughs) Anyway, point being is, is there are there are some items that you can keep that that come outside of time with you Um, all in all. And then your ranking of the, in the game is based off of how quickly you can accomplish your mission. Um, I won't say too much more on the reward system of the game, but know that the game has a reward system and the reward system does in fact carry over from game to game. Another really cool, interesting feature is that you can save your game Mm
1: -hmm.
0: almost video game style.
1: The box allows you to save the components so you can pick up where you leave off because the games can go on. You play it from beginning to end, you know, depending at on least how, four hours, At least four hours there. You, you have to really, you're not one of those people who have like a lot of time to play board games. This might be a multi-day affair.
0: Right. And they recommend, you know, one session they say lasts about 90 minutes per se. And they recommend, you know, splitting it up for me personally. I like doing it all in one. Of course. Only because, A, I mean, it's hella fun. Um, But B is because um, the way that we're playing, as suggested by Jengis and as as confirmed by the other people in the game, um, we decided that our characters, since it's only their consciousness going back in time, would not have anything to write anything down with. They can't. Because if you think about it, we're doing this from a role-play perspective. Obviously, you can do whatever you want. But to make the game more interesting, we don't write anything down. Because the idea is that it's only their consciousness. And even if they wrote it down at the time that you go back in time to, the moment you get shot back to the future and come back, it's not an item that would have stuck and it would be gone anyway. Exactly. So, and yes, potentially you could come back to the present and write it down there. But even then, you wouldn't be able to take it with you in your consciousness.
1: I just feel like the game's more enjoyable When you're forced to remember things. Right.
0: And everything about the game is important. There's artwork involved in it, there's a storytelling aspect to it. It's like
1: every card may not be like, may not shove a clue in your face, but there might be a clue hidden in the card. And it's like.
0: That's a very important detail. Um, So the game is structured around a deck of cards or possible multiple deck of cards. That's how the stories play out. There's a board. There is a board to... It's a
1: very generic board.
0: Right. But that's not how you play the game. There there are pieces... Think
1: of it like, you know, if you remember back in the day, like old school magic would come with like a fold-out mat where it's like this goes here, this goes here, and like...
0: Or Yu-Gi-Oh! Or Pokemon. They've all had all those games where you... you, Or even if you play something modern like Legendary, there are just spaces. Or even Monopoly. If you think of the community chance and, you know, community chest and chance cards. Um... It's a board where there are spaces that tell you where things should be put, but the board is not the game. The pieces are not the game. The the games are these stories, and these stories are built around these decks of cards. So when you buy the expansions, really, you're not really getting, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, I've only bought two so far. You're not really getting extra pieces per se. You're just getting decks, and the decks do things. Um, Jangus is specifically laughing because in the... Minor spoiler.
1: No, don't tell them.
0: Why? I don't know anything about it.
1: Wait, hold on. Right down the top. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was laughing at something else.
0: Oh, um. Hold on one second. Uh, I guess I want to edit that out. I'm definitely gonna edit this out. So, minor spoiler. Um, for instance, in the Prophecy of Dragons, it comes with. I I open the box. I you don't open the decks. <laughs> Granted. You don't open the decks until you're ready to play. Some the decks are still sealed in the box, but I did open the box just to see what came inside, and it came with two of what I would call the standard Time Stories decks, but it came with a third deck, and the third <laughs> deck, quite literally, very alluringly, in red lettering and black backing, says Mystery Deck, and then under it, do not open until you're told to do so. <laughs> And you're just like, oh my god, what is in the box? What's in the deck? Um, um, we would rec-
1: definitely recommend playing it in the order of the releases, like
0: which we will we will announce it here. It goes time stories, the base game, mm-hmm. followed followed by which is asylum, followed by the Marcy case, yep. followed by Prophecy of Dragons, followed by Under the Mask, and now most recently Expedition Endurance. Yep. Um, I I mean. I I want to talk so much about this game. It's just hard for me to say it without spoilers. Oh, another thing. The mechanics of the games and the artwork and the style of storytelling changes from story to story, which is another really awesome, interesting aspect. Like just playing through Asylum and the Marcy case... They're so games. very different. I mean, it is the same game at its heart, but just the
1: mechanics are the same, but
0: but to not an but extent. to an extent. But I mean, there were some mechanics like there were zones on the game board, which in the Asylum were never used. Specifically, a zone. There's a zone called the Codex Zone. You have no idea what that is, and it, and the fact that it's called that, I think, is just like it's completely unnecessary. Like you could have named it the Blump or the the, the the MacGuffin <laughs> Zone. Like you could have named it anything.
1: The Wumbo Zone.
0: Yeah. But the fact of the matter is is there were these four spaces up at the top of the game board, which we didn't use once during the asylum. And I literally, as I'm unpacking the deck and we're about to play the second game, the second game I played with a a group minus Jengis because Jengis had started with the Marcy case. Um, As I opened the decks up, I quite literally was looking at the board and I was like, you know, we never use those codex slots at all and then as we're setting up the game because the the cards give you step-by-step instructions you don't have to flip up you never you never flip through cards more than you should You're not supposed to. yeah it'll tell you exactly how many cards to flip through but as i'm setting it up it's like place these cards in codex a place these cards in codex b i was like well there you go like <laughs> look at that um but like just to give you a small example of a mechanics change that doesn't have spoilers. Or I'll call I'll call everything, consider everything in time stories our discussion, even though it doesn't seem like it, consider it a minor spoiler. But just a small mechanics change. I had already told you that in the asylum version, you always start in the day room. Well, we assumed in playing the Marcy case, um, the first location, I won't even tell the location, because I'll leave that, leave that to your imagination. But the, with the very first location of the Marcy case, we assumed that would be the location we would be returning to on each of our following loops. And upon f- failing our first loop because we ran out of time and reinserting, we were told we could go, the cards told us to go to any location of our choosing, which is so very different and created a different dynamic in the game because I'll tell you what, in the asylum, and Jengis can attest to this, like... The planning of our route was so super important and specific, mostly because we were planning around the fact that we always started in the day room. The Marcy case was just as thoughtful, but for the exact opposite reason, because you had that freedom to be like, where do we start? How do we optimize this? Where's the first place we hit to get everything else we think we need at this run? Um, Did I miss anything mechanics-wise? Not really. Any comments you wanted to add? There's a... A dice rolling chance element to it. There's
1: a level of randomness to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that can also augment your game because the dice can roll badly. And
0: there's decision making. I mean, there's a way... We talked about this earlier. The Marcy case took the group that I played with um, three time loops to get through. Um, Jenkins' group was similar. But I read a review, though, I think... I technically think this was either a misplay or a cheat, so I wouldn't put too much stock into it, but I will tell you this. The game does have rankings. And there are rankings for doing any given case in in the first run. So that means that there is a way in which you could finish these things in one run. I would tell you, though, if you do that, um... Either play it again and just make different decisions, um, or get another expansion and try again. Because I, I I can't. Maybe, maybe now that I've played through different two different stories, maybe doing it in one run would be satisfying. But I still feel like the most satisfying part is unlocking all the pieces to the puzzle and then completing the puzzle, rather than luckily getting the end just by chance.
1: The most satisfying part for me for the game is solving the mystery mm-hmm. is like is just you know figuring it out and like that's like like you when you do it and everything just clicks you're just like yes it's like we did it you know like you feel like you've been through like a war
0: um uh, my buddy james or our buddy james who, who who's, on the, who's on the cast actually uh, way back when james from non-pro radio um james is part of the group that i'm playing with and was in the both the asylum that is played with and then the marcy case that i played with And at the end of the Marcy case, we all took this deep breath and James sat back and he literally like, like as if he just ran a mile and was just like, I have never been so satisfied (laughs) from completing a board game. Like he had like in his life, he had never been that satisfied. And I share that sentiment wholeheartedly. Like you've just feel when you, when you win, you feel good. Oh, another quick mechanics thing. Here's a fun fact. The game also has just like you can success successfully complete your mission. The game has a perma fail.
1: Yeah, there are ways to fail.
0: Like, and when I say perma fail, I mean granted, like you can do. You are the player, so you can cheat and do what you want. But if you're going to actually play the game the way it's meant to be played, there's a way where you can fail the mission and essentially you're just done. Like you're supposed to. You're supposed to pack the game up and stop playing. Like the mission's just over. Now. Do you have to do that? No, it was your money. You spent it. You do what you want with the game. But I think knowing that that's a possibility, and also kind of thinking you're going to hold yourself to that, creates great stakes in the game. You really want to get the mystery right. You really don't want to fuck up. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, That's just you know, uh, like like I said, I played Asylum with Dave, uh, but the group that I'm playing that played it played Marcy Case and the other expansions with they they failed. The first, the first, they failed the asylum mission, and like you know, you you look at it in hindsight, you say, "How can you do that?" But I mean, it makes sense, you know. There are ways to do it, and just I like that that exists, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's a good little a little nod to like you know, hey, you know, it's not holding your hand really. It's like it's like this is this this is it. Um, going back to you know replayability, been, yeah, what we've been skirting around, um, you know. It, it, I I would love to play the other expansions with Dave in his, in the group that we that we played Asylum uh, with, but I know. So I you know I've I've played the other expansions. I know what happens. I know the answer to the mystery. Um, it's it's hard for me to say. Like I couldn't I couldn't. I mean like I, I you know when I played Asylum. I definitely did not... There were definitely mechanical things that I knew, but I held back from talking about in the group because, like, I had the experience of going through three other adventures. So I I recognized certain patterns, um, you know, or I know certain things, or, like, I knew certain things to look out for. I never never really, like, pointed it out. I mean, maybe once or twice, um, but, like, I never really used that knowledge. Um, But I know... Going into, like, if I were to play the Marcy case with you guys, like, I know, I mean, I may have forgotten a couple things, but I know a couple... You
0: know the thing, you know how we could do it in one run. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and that's, I could say the same thing. Well, it's hard for me because, you know, I don't want to say anything else, but, like, I still feel like there are certain pieces of information that I know that make it hard for me to be impartial in the other games. Um, but Dave can tell you that there is a possibility. Right. Because Dave replayed Asylum with, Ballad uh, well, let him tell the story.
0: Granted, you know, this is hard for us to, to discuss because Jengis does know an element that I don't um, and many elements. And one of those elements could be like, maybe Jengis, I'm once again, this is not a spoiler. This is just me taking context clues and making assumptions that might be completely baseless, but it could be something like Jengis fi- has found out by the fourth expansion or the third expansion that he played. Um, perhaps he found out that like anytime you see the color red, it was like your team trying to tell you that there was a clue there. And maybe so Jengis saw things that we didn't signs or symbols or, or patterns that last through the games that we wouldn't have known. And that's what he had to hold back from telling us. But I can tell you from a perspective of somebody that had played asylum, Um, And then tried to play it again. I did. I did play it again. It is possible. But there are there are things you have to be wary of. And maybe it was possible. I think the way I did it, I think even Genghis could do potentially. But what I did is my the school that I, I teach at had a game night. And it was like it was run by a couple of the clubs. I volunteered to come help and run a game, and I decided to run Time Stories for three other students. Now, first off, before I even talk about how I went about doing that, let me just say, from this experience, from Jangus running asylum with us at at the home group, from me running asylum at the school, and then from running the Marcy case with our buddy Pat, who took Jangus's place, I will tell you that in all instances, I granted, this is asking a lot. I think the game works really well having one experienced player at the table. Not even if they know, they don't have to know the plot. They don't have to know the mystery like I did when I played the Asylum again. But Jengis really helped smooth things over in our first game because we were new to the rules. It was easy for Jengis to kind of like help us out with the rules, and get the game flowing fairly quickly rather than having to look back at a rule book constantly. I was able to do the same thing for the students at the school, and then I was able to, and myself and Andy and James, who played with Pat, were able to do the same thing for Pat. So if you have that option available to you, it's not necessary, but I will tell you it does help to have an experienced player. That aside, I played Asylum again, And first off, if you are going to play one of these stories again, it has to be with a completely new team. I don't think it would work if you had a team. It's two to four players, so clearly you can't do it with two people that have played it before because you've both played it before, so that would make no sense. And if you did it with, I would say, more than one person that has played through the adventure, I think it would just be taking away too much from the players. I played it with three fresh minds is what I feel like it needed. And in terms of what I did, um, I took on a receptacle. I made the last choice in my receptacle, and I didn't let my previous experience, I literally just picked what simply I felt like playing at the time, um, I didn't, but I didn't let my previous experience in the game choose my receptacle for me, so the kids picked what they wanted first, then I picked mine. That was the first thing. Now, I played my receptacle to the best of my ability in terms of I helped them in every encounter that they had, because there are combat encounters, there are skill encounters, all with rolling dice, and I helped them but in terms of and i gave them any information that i obtained as i obtained it without inference i didn't infer anything and i didn't give any clues but outside of that there wasn't much i could do in terms of discussion i mean i if they were bouncing opinions about solving cases or doing something it was between the three of them i took a back seat because i already knew all the answers um and they and they knew not to ask me because i wasn't going to give them anything So you do have to kind of take a step back. You sort of have to play an NPC in some kind of way. You have to just withhold a bunch of information and do your best to help the party continue forward, but at the same time, like in terms of the solutions and the mysteries, that's on them. Um, But even you'd think that would ruin it or that would somehow take away fun, I will tell you I had just as much fun. I mean, sure, was I as happy and proud when the game was solved and finished? Maybe not, because I had already done it, so maybe I didn't have the same sense of accomplishment. Same thing if, like, if you were to beat a video game once, and then you go back and you beat it again. It'll never be that same sense of accomplishment of that first time solving the case. But I, I did enjoy it, and what I enjoyed about the game was was being the spectator. I liked watching their minds work, and I especially enjoyed watching them follow almost the exact same choices and paths that we took in our game. It was ridiculous. Like, I I don't know if that was just luck, coincidence, or just really well thought out, well played game design. But I mean, there are certain like, so there are different locations you can go to. I'm not going to name them. But there's there's a certain thing that, you kind of get in the beginning of the game that might predetermine what location you want to go after the day room in the asylum and a certain order to which you might want to hit up the locations. And we chose to do that in our game and they did the exact same thing in the exact same way in their game. Like I think there was only one major decision that they chose to do that we didn't do. And it's also what I believe helped them complete it in three runs as opposed to the four that it took us. Um, there was an interaction with a certain character. You had one decision to make. um, And one, and the decision we chose um, led us one way. They chose the other decision. The the, the decision that we thought would actually possibly perma fail the game. They chose to do it. And lo and behold, it, it actually made it easier for them. Um, So I know that's very vague, but trust me, you want it to be vague. Um, but I will say I I so I I did. I replayed Asylum. And you know what? I would replay it again. I really actually want to. I I want to what have my
1: three new
0: players. Correct. I would I would want to play it again. I want to have my wife as one of those players and, you know, maybe a couple other people. But like I would definitely play I would definitely play it again. Um but I do think you need at least three people of the four need to be new. Maybe you could do two and two. You definitely can't do three and one. And if you're doing all four, you, you just can't, you, if you have, right. Hmm. But, but that's not even, there's no fun to it at that point. You know, all of the solutions. Um, there has to be a new element. If you're going to play the game again, any of the stories, at least, uh, for more than once, you have to have, an unknown element. You have to have at least one person who that doesn't know what's going on, preferably more than one. Cause if it's just one, then literally everybody's just, you're just all catering to one person's <laughs> like whims, you know? And if they're just too dumb to get it on their own, they have no, they have nobody to bounce their ideas off of. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not fun for them. Right. So that's why I say like, if you're going to do it again, I would say you want at least a two, two, if not have a one and three, one newbie. I mean, one experienced and three newbies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I did.
1: So as much as we've talked, I mean, I think we should probably wrap it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could, I would love to keep talking about it, but um, reason being is because I know I've said, you know, I think I said a long time ago, Mage Knight's like maybe my favorite board game, but I I have to say, I think Time Stories is my as the my most favorite board game that I've ever played.
1: That's saying something.
0: That is, I I really do feel like it is not only a great game and i'll give it 80 thumbs up mm-hmm. um it is i think it is my 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 current favorite board game of all time um it is just really it's just it's just a hell of a fun game to play uh i
1: agree
0: yeah would you ever you think you'd ever run a story again i suggested jengist sort of even take less of a less of an active stance i suggested he come be a spectator in our next game when we do prophecy of dragons just so he can see what I saw when I played with the kids, like watch us make these same choices and mistakes and kind of know where the train is heading, but like, you know, know that they don't know where the train is heading. Like it's very, very, it's like watching a TV show. It's very amusing.
1: I mean, I don't know. I definitely like playing.
0: Well, I mean, of course you everybody likes playing. I know,
1: but I mean, but that, you know, being said, like, I don't know. Like I like the I like the feeling of everyone's new, everyone's participating in the discussion. Mm-hmm. I, but I've never played it the way you did, right? So I can't really say I, I would enjoy it or not, right? You know, it would be interesting to see. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's definitely a million thumbs up for me. Too.
0: Yeah, great, absolutely great. Go
1: get it. Doesn't matter. You could technically only well, well, we've talked about it, but like it's got. Limited replayability.
0: Depending on how you Google about replaying it, yes. It has but, limited replayability. But I still think it's worth it. Yeah. A price point of uh, fifty dollars for the base game, and then it should the expansions are should be priced at about $30, thirty, twenty nine ninety-five. Um, if you are paying more than thirty for the expansion, don't buy it and go somewhere else. And you kinda have to I mean, your local game shop should be able to order it for you. But like so far, my first two expansions, I got the Marcy case from Target because Amazon it was like they wanted fifty for it, and Target had it for thirty bucks. And then Prophecy of Dragon was like twenty five bucks on Amazon, so I was pay like, MSRP. right, like pay thirty or less for the expansions. Don't go more than that. And as for the base game, if you don't have a local game shop, I mean, like I said, I picked up the base game at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Um, so they, it's 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 around. You mm-hmm. can get to it. Um, I think that kind of wraps up our episode, dude. Yeah. First, our first one of our of our of our YSNPG year, (laughs) right? Year two, (laughs) season two. Yeah. YSNPG. I guess guess that is what it would be. Season two. Welcome to season two of You Shall Not Pass. Go. (laughs) Um, Someone will live. Someone will die. Nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) In a world, (laughs) ah, throwback. Um yeah so keep on listening and thank you for listening as Easy. always you know to all two of you out there whoever you are <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: once again um, if you ever want to send us any kind of comments or any kind of like anything just email us at mail at geekade.com and just put YSMPG in it um, it'll come to us and we'd love to hear from you um, all that jazz
0: even if it's just to let us know you're listening and that you enjoy the show. Um, also be prepared that I, since it has been a year, I feel like Garden State Comic Fest should be coming up in the next couple months, June, I think. Um, also not too many details on it yet, but I just want to throw this out there. If you're in New Jersey, when National Tabletop Day comes around, maybe just, maybe just go on the uh, the old website and keep an ear to the ground. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, like the, uh, the GK Facebook group, become a member, and, uh, you know, keep, keep, pay attention to
0: that. Yeah, who knows? You might see, uh, some friendly faces, or maybe hear some friendly voices. That's right. Take care.
1: Bye.